What I want to do this morning is talk about what it means to have and what it means to be a part of a ministry of distinction. I'm going to call the sermon a ministry of distinction. And what I mean by that is a ministry that um, stands out, a ministry that is distinct, um, in some ways is unique, and not in a prideful way, but if it's true gospel ministry, true Christian biblical ministry that is faithful, it will be distinct, it will be different, it will stand out as distinctly Christian, distinctly biblical, and I want to do that this morning, and our text is going to be 2 Corinthians chapter 4. So please find 2 Corinthians chapter 4. If you were British, it would be 2 Corinthians 4. Um, But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, I've never preached this text before at Omaha Bible Church, but it is a classic, it's a favorite. Uh, And since we're about ready to start a new year, I want to take two weeks in 2 Corinthians 4, reminding you all, uh, informing you maybe, motivating you, um, that, that, that God willing, we might have a ministry of distinction. Uh, the Apostle Paul is using himself as a model, as an example in this case. Uh, he has a particular kind of ministry. Second uh, Corinthians is somewhat controversial because uh, there are those who don't have a ministry of distinction. So by way of contrast, he's using a contrast quite a bit because there are unfaithful, quote-unquote, Christian churches and Christians, and he's calling them to faithfulness uh, and steadfastness. Uh, we, will, we will get back to Second. We will get back to First Peter. We're studying First Peter as a church. Uh, if you're new, um, just letting you know that. We'll get back to it shortly. The next passage coming up is a great one in chapter 3. Uh, we'll be there shortly, but Second Corinthians chapter 4 for this morning. Um, my outline is I have six distinctions. So six distinctions we're going to highlight from our text of Second Corinthians 4, 1 to 6. And these distinctions are distinctions of genuine gospel ministry. Okay, let's read the whole text together if you would. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 1 to 6. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of the truth we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord with ourselves as your servants for Christ's sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Amen to that. As we look closer at that text, distinction number one. Gospel ministry is encouraging. Gospel ministry is encouraging. By definition, it is encouraging. We want to have a faithful, distinct 
gospel ministry. And if we do, it will be encouraging and you will be in a place where you can be encouraged. And I'm taking this concept from verse 1 where he says, Therefore, having this ministry, by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. We do not lose heart. We're encouraged, in other words, is another way of saying that. Uh, I like to use the word, uh, I don't know if it's a made-up word or not, but heartened. Gospel ministry, true, genuine ministry, is heartening ministry. It, It raises your spirits. It encourages you to use the word in the outline. If we're going to have a faithful ministry, we will, or a distinct ministry, we will not lose heart. And what a, con- what a statement to make for the Apostle Paul as our example here in verse 1 because it's in the midst of turmoil. It's in the midst of conflict. It's in the midst of false teachers. It's in the midst of people with bad motives. It's in the midst of people who are naysayers, uh, who are divisive. And the Apostle Paul is making it clear we do not lose heart even amidst all of that garbage, even amidst all of the, the, the distractions potentially. Because of this unique ministry of gospel proclamation, we don't lose heart even though you would otherwise. And, and as a pastor and as a Christian and as a member of this church, when things happen outside the church that are discouraging, things happen inside the church that are discouraging and distracting, apart from knowing this or apart from this great reality about Christ and our ministry that He's called us to, we will be discouraged we will be discouraged. There are so many discouraging things that happen outside and inside the church. And yet he can say, we do not lose heart. I love that. I need that. I want my wife to be here today. I just heard that she's home with a migraine, taking migraine medicine. But I, I, not to draw attention to her, but I want her to be here today because as my wife, she could easily lose heart. I've never once in my married life told her she had to listen to a sermon, but I might tell her about this one. <laughs> but I want, I want this not just for me and for my wife, but for, for each of you. It's easy to be disheartened. It is easy to say, I give, I give up, I don't want any part of this. I'm tired of being around adults behaving badly, right? or whatever it might be. We don't lose heart because of this ministry. And we'll talk about what this ministry is that causes us to not lose heart. Having this ministry, verse 1, that's what causes us to not lose heart. This ministry, he talks about, we're not going to turn there, but in chapter 3, verse 6, it's new covenant gospel ministry. The reason we don't lose heart is because we're, 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 we're about serving That's what ministry means, right? Serving others and and, and serving in the name of God. But what we're doing in true gospel ministry, it's new covenant ministry. We're we're busy proclaiming, he's going to use the word preaching, we're, we're proclaiming salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, because of Christ alone. That that. If you rest in Him and His works, not your own, God accepts you fully. That God justifies the ungodly, to borrow from Romans chapter 4. This is amazing. This is an amazing gospel ministry. It's that kind of ministry that causes us to be heartened and to not lose heart. 
And if we, we stop and realize what we're doing and what we're saying and what it means, we can't help ourselves, no doubt, that to, to be encouraged. I stand before you as a sinner talking to fellow sinners, not worthy of God's acceptance. I won't be perfected even as a Christian until I see Christ and am made like Him. So sinners living amongst other sinners, that's disheartening. <laughs> but we have this unique message, this unique ministry, and it's a ministry of proclaiming acceptance by God because of Christ. That's heartening. It's very heartening. We don't lose heart. In chapter 3, verse 9, he calls it the ministry of righteousness. I really, I said I love that earlier about something. I really love that. The ministry that we have that causes us to not lose heart is the ministry of righteousness. Another translation that's more interpretive, uh, that, that's a very literal translation, that's more interpretive, the ministry that brings righteousness. And I think that's the right meaning. It's a ministry of righteousness. Well, in context, all over the place, in Paul's writings, it's, it's righteousness that's not ours, it's somebody else's. It's Christ's righteousness. And so it's, it's, it's the ministry that brings righteousness. Righteousness means adherence to God's law. I say that all the time, but I say it on purpose because we don't know what that word means. If you're righteous, it means you obey God. God requires perfect righteousness, perfect obedience. No one has done that except Jesus. We have a ministry that brings righteousness to people, okay? Because it's Christ's righteousness credited by faith. Chapter 3, verse 9. This is heartening. This is, this is wonderful. I, I want us to continue to proclaim Christ and not ourselves. We're going to get to that. And to, to, to do so faithfully, to do so cheerfully, to do so regularly, to do so uncompromisingly, to do so in a way that's encouraging. It's encouraging. We're telling people and telling ourselves as sinners, we have righteousness. We have righteousness. Therefore, God accepts us. It doesn't get better than that. It makes me want to say, okay, I'll sign up for another day. Right? Right? I'll do it. I'll do it another week. I'll do it another year. I'm going to deal with the hard stuff. I'm going to deal with the hard people. I'm going to deal with the difficulties because we have a ministry that is heartening because it is a ministry. It is a service that brings people what they need. It brings them the right status before God, a righteous status. It's so awesome. It is so absolutely amazing. We have a ministry that brings people righteousness. It's no wonder, he says, we do not lose heart. People slandering the Apostle Paul, undermining the Apostle Paul, saying he's, you know, just arrogant and he's so brazen and bold about his preaching and it's only Christ. Dogging him at all the different turns. We don't lose heart because of the uniqueness of the ministry. The therefore in verse 1 reaches back there to chapter 3 and we're not really taking all the time to do that. 
comes because of God's mercy, right? By the mercy of God, we don't lose heart. We receive God's mercy for, for salvation, but also the unique ministry of proclaiming this. You know, I'm the kind of person that thinks oftenly like you, I don't deserve this. When bad things are happening. When so-and-so writes a blog post about you. When so-and-so is saying things that aren't true about you, questioning your motives about this, that, or the other thing. I want to say, I don't deserve this. Well, the reality is what? Yeah, I don't deserve. I don't deserve any of the good. It comes to me by God's mercy. Salvation comes by God's mercy. And then we have this amazing opportunity for proclamation. I'm not going to lose heart. I'm not going to check out. I'm not going to walk off the track. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to say I've had enough. And the very thing that keeps me on the track and will keep you on the track, the very thing that keeps us on the track is not do more, try harder. Suck it up, buttercup, even though we need to hear that sometimes. It's the fact that it's a ministry that brings righteousness. If I would stop and listen to what I'm preaching to others, I'll be heartened. I'll have my spirits lifted because it comes back to the ultimate reality of what it means to be in Christ. You know, literally, I want to say, God help us. God help us to hear the message that we proclaim so that we ourselves would be heartened and encouraged and not discouraged. Ready to move on? I think I preached the shortest sermon ever, ever. I've ever preached last Sunday. I don't even want to know how long it was. Don't, don't shout it out either. I was, like, what? I was like, what in the world? When I teach preaching classes, I, I, I say people will forgive a, ba- a bad short sermon. Okay, because most people preach too long, like me. I, but so, so preach shorter than longer, right? But I also say for me, if it's not 30 minutes, it doesn't count as an exposition. <laughs> I'm afraid about what you had last Sunday. But anyway, so we have six of these. We'll see how many of them we do today because I'm not going to try to make up today for last week. Uh, I'm not going to do that. So, But let's move on to a, a, a number two, a second distinction of true, authentic, Christian, biblical gospel ministry that will sustain us. Number two, gospel ministry is honest. Gospel ministry is honest. I didn't say all ministries are honest or all ministers are honest, but true, authentic gospel ministry is honest. It has integrity. It is honest about Christ. So much so, it's so honest about Christ that it, it by definition, is a rebuke to dishonest ones. And Paul goes there. So we're going to go there. It's so honest and truthful about Jesus that it is a rebuke to those who are fakers and dishonest about Jesus. It's impossible to, to, to be for the true Christ and for all of the fakers. Okay, It's impossible. And so here he talks about integrity and honesty unlike his opponents, apparently. How about verse 2? But we have renounced. Okay? We have renounced, we've said no to, we've criticized, we've put down, but we have renounced 
disgraceful, underhanded ways, secretive ways, distorting kind of ways. We've renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's Word. We refuse to practice cunning. Again, it's, it's dealing with secretive kinds of things, underhanded kind of things, or to tamper with God's Word, to distort God's Word. We're going to contrive it so it fits into something that it wasn't meant to fit into, right? Distorting it. And I think in the context that when he says God's Word, I mean, we shouldn't distort God's Word, period. That would be true. But I think in the context he's talking about the Word regarding Christ, the Word regarding the Gospel, the Gospel Word, the New Covenant Word. So I'm I'm going to focus on that this morning. He says, true, authentic, distinct Christian ministry renounces and refuses, and does not tamper, and does not resort to cunning. So, we uphold and positively promote, and at the same time we say, that's not right. This is who we're for. This is who we're against, necessarily, is what he's getting at here. It can't be true, new covenant gospel ministry, if it's proclaiming Christ's righteousness by faith, which is chapter 3, and then also by what you do, your faithfulness. He would renounce that. Say, no, that's not right. The late medical doctor, uh, preacher from, not from, but he preached in London, uh, Martin Lloyd-Jones, who some of you appreciate, um, he wrote a little book, I think it was called What is an Evangelical, years and years ago. I think Lloyd-Jones maybe went to heaven in the 80s. Um, but Lloyd-Jones uh, was known for being a great preacher and an uncompromising preacher, faithful to the gospel. And this little book, What is an Evangelical, I think I have it, unless some of, one of you borrowed it. Um, <laughs> I've lost track of a lot of things, but... One of the things I remember reading, uh, I haven't read it for 20-some years, but Lloyd-Jones talks about what is an evangelical, and he, he's not using that term kind of in today's vernacular because evangelical doesn't really mean anything. I heard somebody talk about evangelifish. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's lost its meaning, but he meant it in, in the true literal sense. Evangelical uh, it comes from evangel, gospel, gospel-believing, gospel-promoting. Uh, Christ is the evangel. He's the good one. The good news is where it comes from. Okay, so what is an evangelical? And one of the distinguishing marks Lloyd-Jones said in that book is an evangelical, because they are for Christ and salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, Christ's righteousness credited by faith, because they're for those things, they are by definition necessarily against things. And he said, the good medical doctor turned preacher, he said, if you're not against things, you're not an evangelical. Think about it, right? We can't be for the deity and humanity of Jesus and be okay with people who deny one or the other. We can't be for salvation solely and entirely based upon what Christ has done, and be okay with those who say it's faith and works. And on and on the list could go. We are necessarily against things, and I realize that's not popular. 
It's so not popular that even when uh, we don't say I think things, right? This is a pet peeve of mine, I know, but I'll mention it again. We don't say I think such and such. We say I what? I feel such and such. Because if we think things, that's too abrasive. And that's too dogmatic and that's too harsh. And so we can't even think things anymore. We only feel things. And if you feel something and I feel something, it's okay even if they're opposites because we're not talking about realities. We're talking about feelings. Feelings are awesome, by the way. Feelings are great. I feel good about preaching this sermon. Right? I feel happy. I feel excited. I feel good because I already worked out today. And on the list could go. (laughs) I think and believe and have conviction, settled conviction as a Christian, that Jesus rose from the dead bodily. And if you don't think that and believe that, I don't even have to say it. By saying the positive, I'm renouncing what you believe. Pretty hardcore, I realize. But we're talking about the Jesus who said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but by me, John fourteen six. A ministry of distinction is an honest ministry. We're honest about Jesus. We're not trying to do something on the sly. We're straightforward. We have integrity. We're not trying to tinker with the mechanisms. By contrast, the Apostle Paul says, he's so for the gospel, he's renouncing these fakers, he says, disgraceful, underhanded ways. And some of your translations use the word secret and secret and shameful ways because it's capturing the idea. It's underhanded, something done under the table that you can't see. And think about how certain quote-unquote Christian teachers are. It's the secret stuff. Well, I know the Bible says that, and I know the apostles said that, and I know Christians throughout history have said that, but you should buy my book, right? Because God told me something extra. I've got new revelation. I've got something that no one has ever had before and you you need to have this book. What were Christians doing before Jesus calling? It's secret. The Bible's fine, but it got kind of boring and now Jesus just talks to me personally. That's underhanded. That's secretive. That is to be renounced as what Christians throughout Christian history would have laughed at and mocked. And on and on the list could go. Think about all the false teachers. Oh, yeah, you have the Bible, but that is shameful, dishonest, secretive. A ministry of distinction says it's all out in the open. What we believe and affirm about Jesus is right there in the Bible. And we're trying to lock arms with Christians around the world who believe this. They didn't need your secret, secret, I got a secret uh, kind of revelation. This is what Christians throughout Christian history have been believing, except for the false teachers. And so we're honest about it. We have integrity about it. We want to have that kind of ministry. It allows us to have confidence. We don't want to try to be novel. Charles Hodge, who was 
for, I don't know, maybe four decades, I can't remember now, four decades in charge of the theology department at Princeton Seminary. I was going to say cemetery because now the seminary is a cemetery, but I didn't slip up. He's known for saying, I'm paraphrasing, that on his watch, his goal, his desire over the four decades in the theology department at Princeton Seminary, that no new doctrine would ever be taught. I like that. I like that. It's not novel, secretive kind of stuff. It's the straightforward reality about Jesus that Christians have always affirmed. We want to have integrity. We want to have honesty by what we do. I like to say sometimes I think church should be boring. Not because I'm up here talking like this. I don't, I don't mean that. But I want church to be boring because it's predictable. Oh, guess what we're going to talk about next time? Jesus living, dying, rising again, and how you need to trust in Him. And if you do trust in Him, God accepts you. You have a mediator in Christ. You can have the hope and certainty of eternal life if you're trusting in Him. And then we're going to do it the next week. And, and, and then sometimes in there we're going to say, if you're a Christian, you're supposed to live a certain way, not to gain heaven, but because Christ has gained it for, for you. Husbands, love your wives. Right? We, it's so predictable, it's not even funny. It's boring. It's the same old, same old. Thank you. <laughs> I was talking to a young woman who grew up in this church went off to college, was back visiting one time, and she's you know, asking me what to look for. I was thankful. She said, what do I look for in my, my town for a church? I'm having a really hard time. I, number one, was happy she was asking me. And I said, you know, here, I gave her some parameters. I said, but one thing you want to look for is for the church to be boring. I love saying that to a 19-year-old. <laughs> and she was like, what? I said, you want it to be boring. I said, predictable. Right? Not just go through the motions, stand up, sit down, go, fight, fight, fight. I mean, it's not that, but predictable. I said, it's kind of like this. Now that you're a little older and you've been out of the house, you know, it used to be grown up, maybe you're always wanting to leave your house, but you're home for Christmas, right? And she said, yeah, I'm home for Christmas. I said, do you like being at home? She said, I love it. I love being with my family. It's so great. I said, it should be kind of like that. You know what your mom's going to serve, right? And what your dad's going to barbecue or whatever your family traditions are. And if they did it differently next year, what? You wouldn't like it. You'd be disappointed. You want that. You, you, you want the familiarity. Well, we're not trying to come up with new secrets to d- dazzle and wow everybody. We're actually trying to preach and proclaim and have a ministry preaching the one true Christ, as Jude says, the one, I'm going to be very literal in translating it, the once and for all delivered to the saints' faith. That's what we're doing. And as a Christian, it's heartening. It's boosting. You're like, yes, I needed to hear about that. I was so discouraged. Okay, let's go on to another one. Let's go on to another one. We'll do number three, and then I think we better... Wrap it up. Number three, a third distinction of true, authentic gospel ministry is gospel ministry is simple. It is simple. 
How about verse 2 where he goes on to say, but, by way of contrast, those who distort the word of God, but, we're different, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. The open statement of the truth. That's, that's the, the, the truth plainly. Okay? He, he's, not, he's not talking about um, shallowness because he's talking about the truth. So it's not shallowness, but he is talking about plainness. Okay? Plainness, straightforwardness. Not shrouded in some kind of secret kind of thing. The open statement of the truth, no doubt the truth regarding Christ, a synonym for the Word, a synonym for the Gospel, setting forth the truth plainly is what he's doing. And again, Second Corinthians is, is about contrasts. And here's the contrast. You've got the secret person because God told them something in private, so now you have to go to them to actually get this figured out. You can't just be you and your Bible, and you have to have the special insight and the special burning in your bosom or falling over or whatever it is. I don't know. It's always about the extras. No, by contrast, truth, yes, the truth, plainly, straightforwardly, so I can understand it, Lee. Right? It's a great thing that he's doing by contrast to those others. Which one is prideful, by the way? Here's a, here's a question for you. Which one is a prideful act to plainly tell the truth, even boldly? He's going to use proclaim. Is that prideful? Or over here, I know something you don't know. You need my secrets. I know it's not in the Bible. This is the height of arrogance. This is the height of pride. But the false teachers are accusing Paul of being prideful, no doubt, because he's being dogmatic and preaching. This is plain. This is straightforward. All Christians believe Jesus was raised from the dead. All Christians believe in credited righteousness by faith. All Christians believe this. You should believe this too. It's the truth. Oh, you're so prideful and arrogant. You even raised your voice. It's preaching, right? Because if there's objective truth, you don't have to say feel. You can say this is how it is. This is what happened. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. Was raised on the third day from the dead. Yes, especially in our kind of environment, but in the first century in a different way, it was in their environment too. That was labeled as arrogance and pride. And somehow this dopey schmopey thing over here was seen as innocent. And it's the height of arrogance because it was contrary to the plain truth. So I get it. I, I understand. I mean, I'm already you know, being labeled in somebody's mind as some sort of bigot or something or arrogant person. I don't, have, I don't have a choice as a Christian to say, I believe Jesus died and rose again from the dead. And apart from that, you have no hope. I'm a Christian. And that's the truth plainly. I'm not trying to sell anybody anything. I'm not trying to sell my latest book or speaking tour. It's the truth plainly. A ministry of distinction that's true Christian ministry is going to be just straightforward and plain. 
We don't have to sugarcoat it, but we, we, or, or we don't have to tinker with it. Sometimes people want to do something to add, not make it plain. Maybe we'll make it harsher, right? Because some people respond to harsh. Some people want to be scolded by, you know, a grandfatherly figure or something. And people come to that because, man, I love it, man. He beats me up every Sunday. I leave feeling so terrible. Can't wait for next week. By the way, the gospel means good news, so I don't quite have that one figured out. But anyway, although I would like to just preach the law only some Sunday. Say, have a nice week. Right? And then preach the gospel the next week. I probably won't do that because I don't want to be misunderstood. But that's what I do. I preach the law one week. God requires perfect righteousness and you all are going to hell on your own merits. Have fun with that. I'd exercise if I were you. Okay. Next week, good news about Christ because Christ met all of the obligations and atoned for all of our sins. The next week would be law again, by the way, because Christians are supposed to live a certain way in light of who they are in Christ. How, well, I don't know where I was. Okay. Plainly, not doctored up with more harshness, even though it draws a crowd. I listened to some sermons recently by a pastor at a very big church, and I couldn't believe how harsh he was. I thought, wow, thousands of people go there? It's amazing. I might need to up my harshness. <laughs> or we don't come over here, we don't water it down. Right? Because that'll bring people, if we just, we, tr- we trim the edges, because God has edges. Right? God, God is not tame. We just kind of trim the edges off, and, and that, that, that'll help, and that'll, we have a good ministry. No, we don't have a good ministry if that's the case. We want to have a plain ministry, a simple ministry about the truth. Okay, that's what we want to do if we're going to model ourselves after the Apostle Paul. And follow that kind of example. I like what Paul says in uh, Acts twenty twenty six and 27. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I gave it to you plainly. So I'm, I'm good. Setting forth the truth plainly in the sight of God. I love, love, love Love that. That would make a good pulpit plaque, by the way. Setting forth the truth plainly, dot, 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 in the sight of God. That's what we want to do. Truth plainly in the sight of God. And by the way, back to our text, and we'll wrap up in in verse 2, when he says, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. I think what's going on there is sort of like in Acts 20. I got ahead of myself. So if we do this, we tell everybody the plain truth about Jesus, they can't say, you didn't tell me. Why didn't you tell me? Why did you give me the harsh version that wasn't true? Why did you give me the watered down, trimmed down version that wasn't true? No, we've done our duty. We told people the truth plainly. And we honored God. It's in the sight of God. God was watching as we were telling the truth about His Son. And we, if we really told the truth about His Son and not some imposter version of it, we're commending ourselves to everyone's conscience. I told you the truth. 
and some will respond positively and some will respond negatively, but we, before God, told the truth about His Son. And no one would be able to say, you didn't tell me the truth, you gave me a different version of it. That will allow us to sleep well because we're not fakers. We don't have to look back like Charles Grandison Finney did when he looked back at his ministry and said, he was, he's considered the greatest evangelist ever, by the way. Um, and he was a false teacher. He looked back and he said, the great majority of my converts are a disgrace to the Christian religion. It's because he didn't give the truth plainly. Okay? And people could have said to Finney, you didn't tell me the truth. And God certainly could say, you did not tell the truth. We don't want to be those kind of people. If we're, not, if we're just going to play, let's just stay home and watch football. It's safer, right? It's safer to watch football than it is to go to bad church and to be part of and promoting bad ministry, okay? But we, we can do football too, but how about if we do good church? <laughs> so we can be heartened, Right? And honor Christ and, and do what's right for other people and do what's right in the eyes of God. We should be done for this morning. Pray with me if you would. Father, thank you for your grace that comes to us through the Lord Jesus Christ supremely. And we are thankful for him. We're thankful that he, as the Bible says, loved us and gave himself up for us. Thank you that he voluntarily humbled himself, came to this world became a human being like us and as the unique one who is God and man is our mediator now. Thank you that he atoned for our sins and that he was raised from the dead and he ascended into heaven and even right now claims us as his own, as our high priest and mediator. We are thankful for these great realities in Christ in whose name we pray, amen.